Hi, I'm Corey Carl, host of Moms at Midnight, where all of us moms get together in the middle of the night. Whether you're here because you stayed up till midnight to get some alone time and wrap up the daily tasks, or you're up in the middle of the night for that sick kiddo or late night feed, you're welcome here. This is our not-so-secret secret club that's exclusive, but everyone's invited. I'm so glad you're here. All right, so we're here and we're doing this. This is episode one of Moms at Midnight, hopefully episode one of many, many episodes of Moms at Midnight. Um, but I'm I'm actually just so excited to sit down and you know, make this happen. Um, it's been a process getting here, but you know, I'm here and I'm doing it and I, um, am hopeful that it grows and takes off and does all kinds of crazy things. But, um, I'm really thankful that I, uh, you guys are listening right now. It's super weird because I'm just like sitting in my office at my house all alone. Everyone is in bed except for me, I'm awake because, you know, mom's at midnight. It's true. It's on brand, but everyone's asleep and I'm just kind of talking to a microphone. And what's great is like, you know, no one can see me, but I'm like doing hand motions and everything. So there's that. So I hope you can visualize, you know, maybe what hand motions I'm doing while I'm talking to you. But, um, for this episode, I really just wanted to share my story of how I became a mom at midnight. So I, for like, as long as I can remember, I've wanted to be a mother. I've wanted to have children. I've wanted to raise the children. I've wanted to spend time with the children. All of the things I wanted to mother the children. Maybe it's because I have like a bossy personality and I wanted little minions to boss around. And boy, do these children that I have give me plenty of opportunities to boss them around. But I just wanted to be a mom so bad. And I think that my brothers would attest to the fact that I wanted to be a mom starting at a very young age. And I say that because my brothers were the object of much of my mothering practice, I will say, you know, my warm up to being a real mom, I practiced on my brothers. So, you know, other girls maybe had like baby dolls that they practice being a mom on, you know, they practice changing their diapers and things like that. But I practiced on, you know, real humans, my brothers. So I, um, would like try and change my brother's diaper. And so the difference in age between myself and my youngest brother is only four years. And then we also have a middle brother who's two years younger than me. And so I would try and change my baby brother's diaper when I was only four and he was an infant. So you can imagine how that went. Just great. It went super well, obviously. No problems. And then I would discipline my middle brother, AJ. So he would, you know, be reckless and do crazy things and jump off of something or rip the Barbie doll head off of my Barbie and I'd be mad. So I'd be like, no, 
you cannot do that. You're in big trouble now, buddy. And I'd grab him by the back of the neck, like squeeze the back of his neck. And he would be like, I'm joking. I'm joking. But it was the back of his neck, not the front. So I don't know how he said I was pulling the skin on his neck so hard that like the front of his neck, it was making him choke. Anyways, I think he is being dramatic. So I walk him to my mom and I'm like, oh, he just ripped my Barbie doll's head off or blah, 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 whatever he did, you know, I would be mad about. So I was like very into being the boss, being in charge, being the mom and taking care of everybody, but also making sure everyone was doing exactly what they were supposed to do. So for as long as I can remember, I've wanted to be a mom and I've wanted to have kids. So I, you know, set my path on that. I was like, this is it. I'm going to be a mom and every single thing I do from here forward is going to be a step towards becoming a mother. And I did. I kind of flash forward. I didn't have any boyfriends. I refused to have boyfriends because I had decided that if you weren't going to be able to marry me in the near future, then you were a waste of my time. So I didn't have any boyfriends. I had kind of set in my mind that I was going to save myself for marriage. My parents actually gave me a purity ring when I was 13. I thought it was like a hot topic thing to do is, you know, give your kid a purity ring. But my parents gave me a purity ring. And actually, it's funny because my dad gave me the talk. So it wasn't like the birds and the bees specifically, like how the interworkings happened. My mom gave me that talk, but my dad gave me the talk on how it is important to save yourself for marriage. And it's funny because what he did is he took, he knew me so well. I'm like an avid rule follower and he knew me so well. He walked over to the wall and he took his marriage license off the wall and he sat down next to me on his bed and he said, do you see this, Corey? Do you see what this is? This is a license. This is the license that I have to have sex with your mom and you can't have sex unless you have a license. And from that moment forward, I was like, you're right. You're right. I have to have a license. And you know, by golly, I have my license now. So it's all, you know, fireworks and happiness now that I've got my license, but I sure waited until I got one. And so he knew me, he knew exactly how to get me to save myself from marriage. And it was to tell me that you had to have a license. So he has that talk with me. I don't have any boyfriends. I get to my freshman year of high school and I finally got a boyfriend and I dated this guy. And I use the term dated very loosely because dating in that time was, it consisted of just holding hands in the hallway or being like, yeah, that's my boyfriend or whatever, like sitting together at lunch. Like you had just like a short person that you knew you could sit next to at lunch. And it wasn't ever like, we never actually went on any dates. So again, I say we were boyfriend, girlfriend, we weren't dating, but that's neither here nor there. So for two weeks, I had this boyfriend and then I had this epiphany. I said to myself, you cannot keep dating him because one of two things is going to happen. One And this is what I said to him. It's so funny. I actually pulled him aside in the commons area. And I said, listen, one of two things is going to happen here. 
One, you're going to date me for the next four years of high school, and then we're going to choose the same college. We're going to date for four more years. Then we're going to get married and live happily ever after. Or, in the more likely option, is that you're going to date me for, I don't know, six months, eight months, maybe a year, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how long and you're going to date me and then we're going to break up and somebody's heart is going to be shattered. I don't know if it's going to be mine. I don't know if it's going to be yours. I don't know who's going to like the other person more, but one of the two of us is going to be heartbroken. So I said, you know, we cannot continue this relationship. We need to stop dating because it's going to end one of those two ways. And I am not confident that we're going to date for eight years as freshman in high school. And this poor kid, y'all, he's 15. He's a 15, 14, 15 year old boy. He looked at me like I was talking in Spanish. He said, what are you talking about? What are you, what? I said, this is how it is. It's the facts. And so he like still tried to hold my hand. And I said, we cannot. I think I'm going to go sit with my friends now. He didn't realize that I had broken up with them until I had said I was going to walk away now. And then I left. So he was broken up with. And I think he was sad. But ultimately, he wasn't as sad as he would have been if we had dated for a long time and broken up. So I stand by my decision. So I didn't have another boyfriend until college. And so this is where, you know, I'm going to take a slight detour, but I promise it will make sense. It will come back. So I then get to my senior year of high school, didn't have any other boyfriends. I had some crushes, I had some people I liked, but I never actually committed to being in a relationship with anybody. Um, and then it's, a, it's the end of senior year and I had just been on Lexington Varsity Cheerleading, which if you want to see some hardcore cheerleading, high school cheerleading, you should go look them up on Instagram. It's amazing. They're so good. They're way better than they were when I was there. But we were pretty good when I was there. So I had this bout of confidence that I was going to be able to make a college cheerleading team. So I went for it. I was um, slated to go to the University of South Carolina. I had scholarships. I had everything in line. I was accepted, all the things. And I was like, this is the last piece of the puzzle is I need to make this cheerleading team. So I go to tryouts. I, the first day of tryouts was tumbling. I flipped my way through those tryouts. No problem. I could flip. And then Tuesday, the next day, it wasn't a Tuesday. It was a Wednesday, Friday. I don't know. It was another day besides Wednesday. So anyways, I flipped and then the next day was stunting and stunting was not something that I was as strong at, but I managed to hold my own. I did my thing and I made it through that round. And then the last round was game day. And I was like, I got game day. Game day is my bread and butter. Like put me in front of 80,000 people. I'm going to make sure everybody's looking at me. I had no problem with game day. So I pretty much thought that like I had it in the bag. There was not going to be anything that stopped me from making this cheerleading team. So I get to the last day and lo and behold, I did not make the team. I searched my searched for my number on that paper and it was not there. I said, surely there must be a typo. There was no typo. My friend came up to me and was like, I'm so sorry. Cause he had told me there is no doubt in my mind you're going to make this team. Like he really boosted my confidence and then he felt really bad that I didn't make it. So I didn't make the team and I had 
you know, I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. This was my dream. This was part of what I was basing where I was going to college off of. So my whole future kind of felt like it was in disarray. So I sat down that night and I was like, I'm just going to pray about this. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to give this over to the Lord because right now I think I just have made an idol of cheerleading. It means more to me than it should mean. So I prayed and I gave it to the Lord. I said, this is an idol and it is taking your place. It's my whole identity. It's my whole worth. It is everything to me. And I don't want cheerleading to be everything to me. I want you to be everything to me. So I made the decision right then that the Lord was going to be the priority in my life and I wasn't going to take cheerleading as an idol. And wouldn't you know, the next day I get a phone call from the cheerleading coach and she says, you know, work your butt off this summer, tumble, get ready because I wanted to put you on the team. I just didn't have a scholarship spot for your position. There were a lot of people that tried out for your position and they had higher tumbling skills than you. They scored higher in other categories. So like you were right there, but you just didn't quite make it. So come back in the fall, try out again. I want to put you on this team. So I was very excited. So I spent the whole summer in the gym, tumbling, getting ready, doing everything I could to prepare. And then we get to August and it is time. So it was supposed to be a three day tryout. It ended up only being a two-day tryout, and after the second day, she pulled us aside, and she says, hey, you made the team. You're a college cheerleader, and I am ecstatic. I am so happy. I go home. I'm like, mom, dad, I'm a cheerleader now, and they're like, great, and they had way less of a reaction than I thought they were going to have. I think maybe just because they knew that once the coach had called me that it was pretty much a sure thing that day, so they were really excited for me that day, but when it came to fruition. It was like for real, for real. They were just kind of like, great. So I wanted to celebrate. I was like, I've got to do something way bigger than just sit at my parents' house. Like I'm about to go to college. I want to go to a party. Now, let me preface that with the fact that I do not party. I did not party. I did not drink. I was very much so a stay at home I don't want to get in any trouble. I didn't ever do anything that was like really breaking the rules. So I'm thinking, okay, what can I do to really celebrate, to feel like I'm like, you know, going into this next stage of life. I'm going to college. So I thought of a friend who I knew could have a really good time without breaking the rules. And her name is April. And I said, April is going to know what we can do tonight. So I call her up. And she says, yes, I know what we can do tonight. There is a party at my friend's house. It's a bunch of church people. You're going to love it. There's going to be, you know, music, movies, games. It'll be a great time. So I said, yes, I'm coming. So I got ready and I went to this party and I met a bunch of people. And I ended up meeting this guy um, in his name. Uh, I will not speak. Because that would be kind of rude. So... I met this guy and he was cool. He was a super cool guy. He was a bit older than me and he ended up getting my phone number and naive me. Y'all, this is truly like so embarrassing that I did this, but I did it. I did it. I gave him my phone number thinking, oh, he just wants to be my friend. 
he just wants to be my friend. That's it. So I gave him my phone number and then there was this other guy and I was like, oh, he's my type and he's my age and I think I like him. So I did not get his phone number, but I knew that the two guys were friends and I then started to formulate my plan. And like, this sounds so bad to say out loud, but I did this. So I make friends with the one guy. We're talking, texting a lot, this, that, and the other. And then this wedding comes up that April wants me to go to with her. She said, I know you're not invited. It doesn't even matter. The wedding's going to be huge. No one will even know that you weren't invited. Just show up. And I said, great. I love a good wedding. So I then am thinking, well, I don't have a date. So I say, hmm. So I text the guy and I'm like, hey, do you have the other guy's phone number? Because I want to ask him to go to this wedding with me. And now in hindsight, that is so raunchy. Like, yo, that's bad. Why would I do that? To this guy he probably thought I liked him but I didn't like him and that's I felt really bad about it now I feel really bad about it now at the time I genuinely was so naive to relationships that I had no idea what I was doing I genuinely had no idea what I was doing I am mortified now that I think about it but anyways I get the other guy's phone number I call the other guy up and I'm like hey I know this is random you might be at this party do you want to go to a wedding with me and the guy was like, yeah, let's go to a wedding. And so we went. We went to the wedding. It was quite magical. It was lovely. It was on the lake. I think about the Taylor Swift song. It was like, we were sitting there by the water. You put your arm around me for the first time. You know the one. So that song, like, reminds me of that night. It was like that. It was magical. So I'm like, this is going to be our love story. So... It ends up being somewhat of a love story. Like we dated then. So we go to that wedding and then we dated for probably seven months. And he ended up being from Georgia. I was um, from Columbia, Lexington area in South Carolina. And we both just went to USC. So he and I were not going to be together over the summer. And I thought to myself, well, what are we going to do? And I said, I need to be with you during the summer. I cannot be away from you. I, we have to be together over the summer. And he was like, you're right. I've got an idea. You can come work at this camp that I worked at last summer. It's so fun. Um, you can be a camp counselor. And I said, great, sign me up. So um, you were able to live with the host family. And it was really cool. So I signed up for this camp. I'm going through the interview process. I'm about midway through the interview process. And he broke up with me. It was literally so sad. He broke up with me and I was like, great, what am I going to do now? I'm committed to going to this camp. He just left me. What am I going to do? So I prayed about it again and the Lord was kind of like, just do, go for it, dude. Go for it. And I was like, but I don't want to. But he was like, do it. And I said, I don't want to. And he said, do it. So I did it. So I go down to Atlanta, stay with this awesome host family. And I had decided that when I went to this camp, I was going to introduce myself to everyone as Coral. I was going to leave Corey behind because Corey was brokenhearted and grieving. Coral was going to be a strong, independent woman who like knew what she was doing. So 
I'm thinking to myself, I'm never going to see any of these people again. I'm not going to be friends with anybody, like, long term. Like, I'm here for the summer and I'm leaving. I'm going back to South Carolina. I will never come back here. I'm coming here to fulfill a commitment and move on with my life. So, I became Coral. And I was like, you're going to call me Coral to the guy just because I just wanted to be somebody new. And so, I remade myself. I was exactly the same. I was the same exact person. I didn't change anything about myself except for my name. So don't get any ideas that I just became a new person because I didn't. I thought I was going to, but no, no, that didn't happen. So I am now Coral and I'm introducing myself to all these people as Coral, 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 Coral. And in hindsight, it's really funny um, because I end up meeting this other guy his name is Calvin. Um, his name is Calvin Carl. And when I, f- I first met him and I, I just knew him as Calvin. I was like, Oh, he's cute, but I'm in mourning. I cannot pursue a relationship. I'm a, I will just admire this man from afar. And then when I found out his last name was Carl, I was like, I'm going to admire him from far, far away because I will never ever be married to him. I could not date him cause I could not marry him. My name could not be Coral Carl. Well, in the wise words of Justin Bieber, never say never, because I married him. Spoiler alert, if you saw my name on the podcast, it's Coral Carl, because I married the man. So, I saw him from afar, admired him from afar, and what's funny about camp, and the way that camp works, is that you are in the trench trenches day in and day out. You are working with these kids. You are in the Atlanta heat. It is so hot and you are responsible for children. You walking around on hot pavement trying to teach children sports and Jesus. And it's difficult. And it is it's it's good work. It's good hard work. But we would get tired as counselors and we would retreat to the mountains. So we would go every couple weeks and we would go up to like Helen, Georgia and we would camp in the mountains where it was cooler uh, and it was like primitive camping where we could just, you know, detox and get away. So we did that and Calvin happened to go on many, many camping trips. So as the delirium set in, um, we coined the term camp goggles. Maybe we didn't coin it. I don't know. I like to think that we did, but we coined the term camp goggles. And this is like a mirage. It's it's like a a mirage that happens when you're so sleep deprived, exhausted and heat exhausted that all of a sudden these guys that didn't seem that attractive before are now exponentially more attractive. You look at them and you're like, you're taking care of that kid and you're taking care of that kid well, and you're putting that kid in their place, but also being gentle about it and loving. And I, I think I want to marry you. Will you marry me? Can you marry me right now? Can we have a baby? Can we have many babies? Because you're going to be a great dad. I just want you to be mine. So this happens and it's a camp crush. It's like a very intense camp crush, but it's a camp crush. So we're going through the summer and I had like a few guys that I was like, oh, you're kind of cute, and I have a little crush. You're kind of cute, and I have a little crush. Calvin was not on that radar, because again, I'm not going to marry him. I'm not going to marry him. My name is not Coral Carl. So, we're at Friday lunchtime, and it's pizza day in the pavilion. It's a great day. Everybody's so happy. And we're about to leave for our weekend camping trip, and Calvin 
walks across the pavilion and I looked at him and I said, Calvin. And he looked over at me and I said, I don't care who I am riding to this camping trip with as long as I'm riding with you. Because there had been some drama. Okay. There had been some drama going on with who was going to ride with who. And I didn't have a car. I had to ride with somebody and everyone kept kicking me out of their cars. And so I was frustrated and I was done with it. And I saw him. And he was the first person I saw. And I said, I'm riding with you. And he kind of looked over his shoulder like, you talking to me? That girl ain't talking to me. There's no way she's talking to me. And I was talking to him and he said, uh, okay. And kept walking. And the girl next to me at the picnic table looks over at me and goes, Mmm, so I know who your camp crush is. And when I tell you that a switch flipped in my soul, I went from hot to cold. I mean, cold to hot to hot, 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 like fuming hot. Like I was madly in love. I wanted to marry him right then. I said, I didn't feel like this five seconds ago. What just happened to me? And it, it was magical. It was this magical experience. And I said, you're my husband. I don't care if my name's Coral Carl. I don't even care anymore. You're my husband. And I put that man in my crosshairs and by golly, I got him. So this is the, this is the route that I got that one. So I had these shoes again. This is like another tangent that I promise it's going to come. It's going to come back. So I had these shoes. They had big old holes in them. Cheerleading shoes. Cheerleading is a common theme, whatever. Big old holes in the bottom of them. And I needed duct tape. So we're on the way to the camping trip. I say, no, we got to stop. We got to get some duct tape. We go into the Walmart, get the duct tape. I'm ready to go. But on the way out, I noticed there's a claw machine. I said, Ooh, let's win something. So $7 later, we win this Captain America doll and this Captain America doll. I think, Hmm, what if I tell him this is our son? And if he goes along with it, he must buy in a little bit to my crazy. He might just maybe have a crush on me too. I don't know why I thought this was like going to be the telltale sign, but I just thought that it was. So I said, this is our son. And he said, okay, this is our son. I said, we're mom and dad. He said, okay, we're mom and dad. And that is how I became a mom at midnight. Okay. There's more to the story though. There's, we have actually like real children, but so that's really how I became a mom at midnight, midnight to a Captain America doll which is weird. We wrote our names on the bottom of his feet too, you know, like Andy did to Woody in the Toy Story movies. And now Captain America has like a place of honor sitting on our shelf in the office right next to like our sand ceremony sand. He's very important in our lives. So he started kind of this theme of like America lovingness in my heart. I was like, I don't even just love Captain America. I love America and everything that is America. And I walked around camp with a 50 foot flagpole with a American flag at the top. And I was like America girl. So this comes into play because for the July rolls around and I am so on my America high that I refuse to not see the fireworks on the 4th of July, but it was raining. No one really wanted to go. And Calvin was like, well, I want to see the fireworks too. So I'll go with you. And I said, okay. And I get in his Ford Ranger, his little white Ford Ranger. We drive, we find a parking spot. I have this apple pie because somebody's grandmama made too many apple pies. And she said, you want this apple pie? And I said, of course I want this apple pie. Why would I not want this apple pie? So I took the apple pie and I've got the apple pie in my lap. He's got, uh, you know, his hand on the steering wheel and we're driving and we park and he's got some cards in his, uh, glove box. So we get those out and we are playing slapjack. And I was like, well, I got an apple pie, but I don't have anything to eat it with. I said, we can eat it with our hands, I guess, but that's kind of gross. It's apple pie. And he said, don't worry. 
a few days ago, I put a fork in my car. I don't know why I put the fork in my car, but I thought I'm going to need a fork. So I put the fork in my car. So he had a fork and he shared his fork with me, which now, if you know, Calvin, this is like a totally, this is like a huge ick for Calvin. He does not share utensils with anybody. Like, even though we have four children together now to this day, I think he still doesn't like to share drinks or forks with me. Um, so this looking back, is like a huge deal that he shared the fork with me. So we're sitting there, we're eating our apple pie and then boom goes the firework. It's, we celebrate, we get out of the car, we sit really close to each other. I hope he holds my hand. He doesn't hold my hand. I ask him if it's a date. He says it's not a date. And then I was like, okay, awkward. But later on, he says it's a date now. So we say that our first date was apple pie and fireworks on the 4th of July, which is really special because then every year since we have had apple pie and fireworks on the 4th of July, we are 12 years strong of apple pie and fireworks on the 4th of July. So we do that. He proposes to me with an apple pie, which is another story for another day because it's really embarrassing. And I don't want to tell it right now because I don't have time. But he proposed to me with this apple pie. It's super exciting. We get married the summer before our senior year of college. And now this is important because we didn't go to the same colleges. I went to USC and homeboy went to UGA. So we did this whole relationship long distance. And so for the first nine months of our marriage, we actually didn't live together. We didn't even live in the same city. He lived in Georgia. I lived in USC. At USC in Columbia and I would drive down pretty much every weekend to see him and the reason that we went this route is because listen y'all I'm traveling down to Georgia he's traveling up to South Carolina we're sleeping in the same bed and things are getting dicey now we saved ourselves for marriage but it was getting real difficult and we were not living the kind of sexually pure life that we wanted to live before we were married. So we went to the scripture. The scripture said, if you can't handle it, if you are burning with lust to like, just get married. And so we said, okay, let's just get married. Like we knew we wanted to, and we didn't want to live in sin anymore. So we went for it. So we got married the summer before our senior year of college. And it's funny because this is how much being a mom was on my mind. As soon as I started having sex, I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I could get pregnant. I could get pregnant right now. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, if I get pregnant now, I have to do the whole pregnancy by myself. He will be in Georgia. I will be at U- I will be at USC. I will have to be pregnant and doing my senior year of college. This is crazy. And then it'd be like, okay, seven months. So I literally counted down. It was like seven months. Now I do seven months of pregnancy alone. Now I do four months of pregnancy alone. I counted down the time it was going to take for him to move in with me by how many months I would have to be pregnant alone. And this is how crazy obsessed I have always been with becoming a mom. And so we then are, we had decided, you know, we want to be married. We want to enjoy our marriage. And so for three years, we just were married. We didn't even think about having kids. Well, he didn't think about having kids. I always thought about having kids, but he didn't even think about having kids. And we get to like the spring right before our third anniversary. And I said, can we please start trying to have children now? I really want to be a young mom because my mom was a young mom. So 
She was a young mom and she was always able to keep up with us and play tag and do all the things. And I was like, I want to be a young mom too. I knew that I wanted to have children young so that I could be really spry still and keep up with them and do all the activities and play football in the front yard and wrestle with them. So I had told Calvin, you know, I want to be a young mom. So we get to the July that is our third wedding anniversary and we decided this is when we're going to really, really start trying to have kids. We had quit using birth control in the spring and um, I had been told that like however many years you've been on birth control, that's how many months it takes to get off the birth control. So I, you know, didn't take the birth control for, I took it for like three years and then so it had been three months. I said, this is when it's going to happen. And I go on this vacation with him and I'm thinking, this is the moment. This vacation is so magical. Even to this day, Calvin and I will say like top five moments of our whole marriage and this vacation is on it. It was so awesome. We road tripped up to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and he showed me kind of where he was raised. And it was so great. Like we had the best time. And I was sure that this is when I was going to get pregnant because I did it right. You know, I saved myself for marriage. Like I was going to be pregnant right away. And I wasn't, I wasn't even close to being pregnant. I wasn't even going to be pregnant anytime soon after that. So that's where I'll leave off. This episode is just my story of getting to right before I became truly a mom at midnight and it's a really fun story I love to tell it about how Calvin and I got together because there are so many little things along the way that led up to um, our marriage and next time I I want to talk to you guys about our journey of trying to conceive because it is a journey and is a journey of highs and it was a journey of many low 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 lows and I can't wait to tell you guys about it so um I hope that you tune in next week to listen to me talk about trying to conceive um that episode will be a little spicy could get a little could get a little saucy in places so if your children are in listening area maybe just pop in the AirPods so they don't hear me, but I'm going to be talking about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. Anyways, I like to just add in some flair of song sometimes. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that. So just viewer discretion is advised, listener discretion is advised. It won't get too detailed, but you know, discretion is advised. So anyways, I'm so glad that you tuned in and that you listened and I hope that you go get some rest that you have earned and that you deserve. I know that is what I'm about to do. I'm about to crawl in my bed and go to sleep because mama, it's been a long day. All right, guys, I'll see you next time.